Thank you for joining us for episode 395 of Live Happy Now. Grief and loss is something all of us experience throughout our lives, but it can be more difficult to manage during the holidays. Could reframing the way we view it make it easier? I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I'm sitting down with Julia A. Nicholson, an executive leadership expert who has made it her mission to help others transform the way they view and manage loss. While she has enjoyed incredible success in business, Julia has also suffered immense loss. Working through her grief led her to create a new framework for managing it that she is now sharing with others in her upcoming book, Move Forward Stronger. In this episode, Julia talks about living with unwanted change or loss, and in particular, how to handle it during the holiday season. Let's have a listen. Julia, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thank you, Paula. I'm really so appreciative of you inviting me to be on your podcast. This is a wonderful time of year to talk to you because I think grief and loss is something we don't really address during the holidays. And before we dive into your way of thinking and what you have to to tell our listeners, boy, you have such a powerful story. And I think it's really important to note how you became an expert on loss. So can you walk us through a little bit of your backstory before we dive in? Sure. Sure. And, and thank you. And I want to say right up front, there is no one that sets out to be an expert on loss, at least the way exactly. I have done it. Nobody <laughs> wants to earn that certification, right? No, exactly. It's a club that none of us wanted to belong to and have joined anyway. And so it, basically, it, I am an expert in this field because of how much loss and unwanted change I've experienced in my life. And it started actually at a really young age. My father was in the Marine Corps and at eight years old, I had that green car pull up to my house and the officer had come to tell us that they believed my father had been killed in action in in Vietnam. And that actually ended very well. Two visits later, we found out that he was injured and would still alive and be home in a matter of months. But that's kind of where this whole process of me having to deal with a lot of loss and unwanted change in my life started, even though I didn't realize it. At 18 years old, I was hit head on by a drunk driver. I happened to be in the front passenger seat. And so I took the full brunt of the impact. And it was really devastating because the overwhelming majority of the physical injuries were to my face. And at 18 years old, that's pretty dramatic that no, I, can't even- I was not prepared for the reaction in public at all. And literally trying to claw my way back to some self-confidence, some some determination that I even wanted to go forward. It was that devastating and went from that experience. And I refer to an unwanted change or loss as an it, because to me, it needs to be all inclusive. I love that. I love that approach. When I watched your TEDx talk and you talk about that, I said, that is So beautiful. Thank you so much. And I appreciate knowing that because my whole intention is we need to be all inclusive in these conversations. Loss is not just about death. Loss can be a loss of an important relationship, a divorce, your pet, your financial stability, your health, your job, your career, your business. There's so many things that are just as impactful. And so I like to refer to them as as it's because everybody has had one. And in fact, we even talk about it that way when we're telling someone something that's happened in our life. We actually say that. How long ago did it happen? We already use the word. And so I want to go with that to be able to include people to understand 
Well, so I went from obviously a very, very traumatic uh, near fatal car accident. And I learned that the physical injuries healed much faster than the, the internal, the mental and emotional things with it. And I started to recognize how much I was carrying with me of that low self-confidence and self-esteem and that helplessness and looking at, is this the best that my life is going to get? And all of the feelings that I was living in that were so negative. And I did what no one should ever do in dealing with something like that mentally, emotionally, is I made a major life decision and wound up getting married for all the wrong reasons. And after five years of an abusive marriage, I filed for divorce and then found myself as a single mother with a four-month-old and a three-year-old trying to figure it out with no job, no money, no marketable skills, and no education past a high school diploma. And next 12 years were very eventful. Lots of positive things happen at the same time it's happened in your life. And 12 years later, I found myself um, in a situation with two happy, healthy teenagers, huge plus, as well as I'd earned a bachelor's degree and an MBA, established an independent consulting business for some side money, because that's kind of what we have to do when we're trying to put food on the table. Right. Literally was then in a dream career position running a large company. And life was turning out really well. And I had not expected that given what I'd been through and what I'd experienced earlier, of which some of them I've just shared with you. And then as fate and luck would have it, I met the most amazing man and love of my life. And we got married. And I will admit, I was expecting and hoping for a happily ever after. It was my turn. Why? Wow, you deserve it. Yes, I'd already experienced so much. And I think that's kind of what we do, right? We think, okay, we've, we've gotten over, we've gotten through this one. Now it's going to be good. And what we fail to recognize is a part of life or things happening that we don't want to happen. And sure enough, my happily ever after did not last very long as my husband then had a very serious motocross accident and he was found unconscious and paralyzed on the motocross track. And that set into motion a very, very difficult period of time to transition. He was able to walk again and gain some ability. He was never the same. Our life changed dramatically and he right. did too. It was nothing that he could go back to. And about four years after that accident, he took his own life. And I was right back in the throes of all of the, those feelings of grief and hopelessness and anxiety and depression and literally questioning, you know, what is all this for? And do I even want to try and move forward and go on anymore? You bring up a really good point about questioning, do I want to keep going? How do I even get through this? Because I know one thing that you say, it's not about getting back up, it's how you get back up and how did you? Because any one of those life incidents is an immense burden to carry. Compiled, I can't even imagine. So how is it that you were able to rise back up and walk through that loss? That is the question that I was asked so many times for so many years that I really didn't have what I really believe was an answer that would help someone. My answer was normally, you know what? Everybody has things that they go through in their life. I'm no different than anyone else. And after being asked that for so long and from so many people, and I recognized, I recognized the look in their eyes. I recognized the set of their shoulder, the tone of their voice, that they had just a glimmer of hope that anything could get better. I really felt like I owed them an answer because if I was able to do it, Maybe I could share with others how. And I would say one of the biggest turning points for me to even get started on this path to be able to process what happened in my life was recognizing there's a big difference between me saying, 
I don't want to live anymore. And me saying, I don't want to live like this anymore. That's great. And that was huge because when I recognized I want to live, I just don't want to live with this anxiety or this depression or this sadness or this guilt or this blame or this shame or this judgment. I don't want to live like this anymore. And then I started to realize there was a pattern every single time, a same, the same things that I used in order to process what had happened. And the key was I learned very quickly that because society, I believe, convinces us that what happened in our lives and these feelings, these negative feelings that we have go together, they're a package deal, they can't be separated. What I learned is, yes, they can. What happened, happened. That can never change. But how I feel about it and the emotions that I have around it can change. And when I started to look at what happened that evolved, literally, I created this image in my mind of this diamond framework that has five facets that I recognize I spent time in each one of these in order to process what happened, learn from it, and then apply what I learned going forward to use these learnings to my advantage. And it has made me more self-confident, more resilient, more determined, more courageous, recognizing that I've learned from each one. And I believe that I've become better and stronger. And doing that has literally allowed me to do what I've done in my professional life as well as my personal life. And I use these same tools every day. And the irony, Paula, is that I have recognized over the years that not only do I use these for the significant things like a near fatal car accident or the death of my husband, I actually use them every day. This framework, in essence, is something that people have shared with me that it's now given them hope that there's something beyond where they're currently feeling and and sitting and that anybody can use it at any time for any circumstance in their life that was unwanted. It's an unwanted change or loss. That's so awesome. I want to talk about that framework because I found that very interesting and so useful. But before we dive into that, I wanted to talk about why you see the traditional stages of grief as having really limited applications. You had some fascinating things to say about this. Oh my gosh, Paula, I have to say that five stages of grief was something that someone shared with me, either counselors, friends, family, doctors, with every single experience that I've had. And they shared this with me and they were well-meaning because they thought this would help me. And the problem was I couldn't relate to it. I didn't have any problem with a few of the stages. One of them is anger. That I had down. One of them is depression. I had that nailed. But there was no possible way I could deny that I was in a car accident. There was no possible way I was in an abusive marriage. There was no possible way I could deny that my husband took his own life. And there was no possible way I could bargain any of those away. And what started to happen, I realized, is I started feeling like a failure, that these stages clearly work for everyone else, but not for me. What's wrong with me that I can't process this, that I'm still living with these awful, negative, heavy, weighty emotions and feelings that I don't feel like I should smile. I don't feel like I should laugh. I don't feel like I should have fun anymore. What's wrong with me? What I learned was those five stages were originally intended to identify the feelings and emotions people who have a terminal illness feel when they're coming to terms with their future impending death, their terminal. And that's something we, we have not been taught that at all. No, and it shocked me. And I think it's so powerful because then I was able to understand, oh my gosh, 
The reason why they don't fit me is because there is a big difference with the future loss of my life and a loss in my life, and I'm facing an uncertain future. What do I do? I'm still here. How do I live and hopefully in a happy, joyful, at some point in time place with all of these things that have happened? And that's the key difference. Can we learn to live with what happened, but not in all of these debilitating, heavy emotions and feelings that happen in the course of trying to come to terms with what happened that we didn't want to happen? And to me, that was a big turning point to now feel at least a little bit better about myself. Okay, I'm not a failure. And then I learned these stages aren't working for a lot of other people who've experienced the same type of unwanted change in my life, but that was all there was. And so for me to be able to say, okay, what is there for the rest of us? If I can share what I learned and it helps one person, then it's made it all worthwhile. And maybe they can share it with a person. And as this continues, now there's this new framework out there. And I've had people say it's a roadmap. Even if I'm not ready to move yet, I know that there's other places I can. And that's so key because you can look at this is where the journey is going to take me if you're not there yet. Even if you're not ready for that second step, at least you know it's there. Exactly. And and you know, it's possible. And that was so hard because, I mean, even when I read some of the headlines or I read some of the opinions and articles and editorials, or there's this continual reinforcement of you are always going to live in varying degrees of grief. And I don't believe that. In fact, one of the things I ask is that if grief and those feelings and everything are associated with it, feelings and emotions we have, if we can live in grief, then why can't we live in happy? Those are feelings and emotions. Why don't we get stuck in happy longer? And I believe that a piece of this is societal, that there is this connection. It happened. Now what? Well, now I'm supposed to live sad and down. And I remember the first time I ever smiled after my husband died and it felt awkward. It felt wrong. And I realized it felt wrong because I thought it was wrong. I thought I was supposed to be sad and down and I was supposed to carry this with me the entire time. And I don't mean to imply that it doesn't make me sad and that I don't miss him every day and that I still don't think about the future that I'd hoped for. I don't mean that at all, but I don't stay in those sad, down, crying on the floor, not sure I can pick myself up feelings anymore. And if I do, it's not very long. This idea of there is something else possible, I think is so important. I just want to share hope with somebody that no matter where you are right now and how you're feeling, there is something beyond it. I promise there is. And you can, you can get yourself back up and move forward stronger at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other, which is why I say how we get back up because I got back up kind of slogging through the motions, barely fogging a mirror until I learned, wait a minute. I can get stronger with what I learn if I can use something to my advantage. It's not that I'm happy about what happened, but I certainly can get something of value out of what happened and from those feelings. And how do we change our brains to think that way? How do we create a more positive thought process around our loss? Because it seems counterintuitive to even say that, but how do we do that? How do we become more positive, more optimistic about our future after this huge loss? You have hit the crux of all of this right on the head. 
And it's the how of it, right, that's not out there. And I think one of the most important pieces, and science has proved this, so this is not just Julia, but Julia can prove that it's successful, is there is actually this principle in the business world called the framing theory. And businesses use it all the time. Media use it all the time. And this theory is intended to present information in a way that influences our beliefs and our process and how we interpret and receive that information. How we reframe this, which is one of the facets of the framework, is critical. What I learned and I'm sharing is that once something happens in our life that we didn't want to happen and it's unexpected, our brain immediately goes into overdrive and we have this negative bias thinking automatically. We immediately go to these negative thoughts of this is terrible, this is horrible, this is the worst thing that ever could happen, my life is over. That's natural. Staying there is not how we were intended. And how we move from that is to be able to recognize that our brain automatically did this. It was for protection, but the manner in which we process it to be able to take a step back and say, wait a minute, is there any other way to look at this? Is there anything positive that can come from it? And what I found is the answer is always yes. There's something positive that can come out of anything. And being able to rewire that brain, for instance, when my husband died, I recognize there is something positive that can come out of his death. And that is, can I share with people that my husband died by suicide and here's what I learned and can I use it for good to help you to say this might help you? That's something good that came out of something that was awful that I didn't want to happen. And being able to rewire our brains a little bit each time with these types of things literally is impactful and life-changing in every aspect of life. And how do we do that? Can you kind of walk us through your framework and how we can maybe even give suggestions for little steps that, that we can take to no, get absolutely. in that direction? Absolutely. And I, first, I want to make sure that, that it's pretty clear that the framework that I have is not a checklist and it's not a step-by-step that you go through in a linear fashion. This is a framework that you will go in and out of facets at different times. You could be in more than one at the same time and you can bounce around really quickly. So you want to make sure this is not prescribed. And one of the beauties of this framework is anybody can use it in the manner and the process that works for them and the order that works for them. So even if it sounds like a checklist, it's not. So what I have in the first facet is something that is familiar to everybody already. And the first facet is relive. And it's exactly what it says it is. When something happens that we don't want to happen, we relive it over and over, just like on a cassette tape on a loop continuously. It's play, rewind, repeat over and over again. And we do it mentally going through every detail and every piece of information that we can recall about what we said or didn't say or did or didn't do. And then we talk about it depending on what happened constantly, sometimes to the same person, sometimes to different people. Well, what happens is we continue to do that. It's really important to do it in the beginning and not not avoid it because that helps our mind start to process and make sense of what happened with something that we don't make sense of instantly. The challenge is if we stay there too long, those thoughts start to create what I call a mental rut or a channel. And our brain is really lazy. It likes to stay in a channel it's familiar with. It doesn't like to create new ones. And so unbeknownst to us, every time we continue to repeat this and relive it, on all the verbally or mentally, we create a deeper and deeper channel. Well, that 
process then needs to be identified and be aware, okay, we're creating this channel. And how we move from that is to be able to be honest with ourselves, is continuing to relive this in whatever way we are, is this serving a productive purpose for us? If it's still helping us process it, then it's productive. If it's gotten us stuck so that we feel like we're always going to feel like this, I will never feel better. My life will never be better. That's when it's time to say, this probably isn't serving a productive purpose for me. That's when it's time to take a step back and ask, is there any way, different way that I can see this? That's the reflect facet. And reflect is when we look at it and identify and recognize there's more than one way to see the exact same thing that's just as true or just as right. Those little shifts may seem tiny, but they're major in taking a step forward when you're ready to do that. Well, what helps us with that is this principle that's been proven scientifically, the framing theory. And what we can do with the unwanted change or loss in our life is look at it in that same theory. What happened is like the picture. It's a snapshot in time that happened in the past that can never change. It is what it is. But Artists spend so much time putting a frame around their picture, just like we do with our pictures of our family or the artwork in our house. We can do the same thing if we look at what happened as a snapshot or a picture and that frame around it as our feelings and our thoughts and our beliefs. And our feelings and thoughts and beliefs change all the time. We can do the same thing with the frame that we put around this picture of what happened reframing it is when we start to rewire our brain to think of things in a different context. Now, let me ask you, because someone who's going through this, this might sound so foreign, like, how is that even possible? You know, yes. just experienced a tremendous loss. How am I even supposed to think that way? How do you start changing that way of thinking? How do you start yes. reframing? And I think that that's really powerful because everybody's timing is going to be different. And I think the most important thing is, do they still have a glimmer of hope that they are willing to ask that question of themselves? Is this the way I always want to feel? They have to start there. If they've already convinced themselves that this is all they are ever going to feel, the most important thing is to be aware of there are things possible, even if you don't believe it, there are. And I think it is important to bring out that everyone has a different timeline. We don't move at the same pace and we have different spots of healing that we have to go through. And, you know, during this time of year, it's the holiday season and our loss seems magnified. You know, we're oh. supposed to be joyous and it's so difficult. So can we talk about this for a minute about how does our grief and our loss affect us during the holidays? And then what can someone do to make this holiday easier on themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agree with you. And the holidays, I think, are harder if for no other reason than everywhere we look and listen and, and live, there's all of these images of happy and joyful and connection and family or friends. And for a lot of us, it triggers those negative things for us that the, the person or the situation that we would have wanted to be the case during these holidays is not. The person that I wanted to share it with is no longer in my life. The way I wanted to share it, I'm not able to because of my financial situation or my physical health or for whatever reason. And I think that that automatically triggers what I call this comparative thing. We look at these things and we feel like we're comparing ourselves to other people who have all of these things that we don't. And I do think that it makes us feel a lot worse. 
And the holidays bring it up because it's everywhere. You can't avoid it. Right. And social media is already out there, but it seems like it ramps up tenfold <laughs> and with all the advertisements and everything during the holidays. Everybody has the perfect tree and the perfect family and the perfect photo. And right. So looking at what do we do in the holidays? And I think one of the most important things is recognizing that putting yourself first isn't selfish, it's survival. And what I mean by that is don't force yourself to attend gatherings or to show up at places that you are not comfortable going, that you do not feel like this is an environment that you want to put yourself in. When we force ourselves to do things that we think others will make others happy, we only wind up making ourselves feel worse and it sets us back. That's one of the first things. Another thing during the holidays is, as I mentioned, this whole idea of living in our head versus trying to get into our heart. One of the things about the holidays that does make it a little bit easier if we can take a step back and just for a few moments, get outside of our head and, and all of the loss or unwanted change that we've been thinking about and get into our heart of, is there just one little thing we can do for someone else? Is there something we can do? Is there any little thing that you can do? Is there somebody that you can buy if you don't want to bake? Buy some cookies when you're at the grocery store and put them on a paper plate and set them on somebody's porch that you know, or something little that you do for someone else during the holidays. It is so impactful to be able to get out of your head and into your heart for just that little reprieve. So much we have to learn from you. You've got <laughs> your book coming out in January. We're going to tell our listeners how they can find that. We're also going to send them to your TEDx talk, which is just so powerful, so life-changing. I appreciate you sitting down with me and having this conversation today. And, and as I let you go, what is the one thing that you hope everyone listening today will take away from this conversation? That no matter where you are right now, no matter what you've experienced in your life, no matter how long ago, there is something beyond where you currently are that is powerful, that is impactful, that's meaningful, that will give all of the things in your life purpose and have hope that there is something beyond that. And it's not too far. I promise it's not too far. And when you are able to take a step forward, just know that there's help and support there in multiple areas. And there are lots of people just waiting to take your hand and walk beside you. You're not alone. That was Julia A. Nicholson talking about thriving despite unwanted change or loss. If you'd like to learn more about Julia, listen to her TEDx talk, follow her on social media, or pre-order her book, Move Forward Stronger, Visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And speaking of the holidays, remember that the Live Happy store is open for your holiday shopping pleasure. Through December 20th, you can get 25% off everything. Yes, everything in the Live Happy store. So up your stocking stuffer game and put some happiness under the tree by visiting store.livehappy.com and using the code MARY25. That's store.livehappy.com and use the code Mary 25 to get 25% off. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. <music>